If you love to read books, chances are you love to talk about them too. But have you ever wondered about whether your favorite celebrities or public figures love to read as well? If you might share a favorite book or preferred genre with them? Well, I sure have. So I'm on a mission to find book lovers, book nerds, if you will, in unexpected places. In this interview series, I'll be talking with people you recognize but don't necessarily associate with books. Musicians, actors and actresses, athletes, and more. We will be discussing all of their current projects you want to hear about, of course, but we will also be digging into their unique reading and writing lives. In this interview, I chat with singer, songwriter, producer, and composer Lydia Ainsworth, whose fourth album, Sparkles and Debris, is out May 28th. Listen on to hear us discuss what inspired some of the songs on this fantastic album, learn about her experience collaborating to compose music for the hit Netflix show, Stranger Things, pick up some excellent short story and poetry recommendations, and much more. So today I have Lydia Ainsworth with me. Lydia, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I'm super excited to talk to you about music and books today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Do you want to start off and tell folks a little bit about yourself and kind of how you've come to be? You do a little of everything. You you sing, you write songs, you produce, you um, compose music. Yeah, that's right. So um, I began my musical career, I guess, with the thought that I would be a film score composer. I, I grew up loving film scores and um, I studied cello in my youth and I sat at the very back of an orchestra. When you're really not that good at cello, you sit at the very back. <laughs> I was terrible at cello, but I loved to play with the group and to, to kind of absorb all the music that we were playing. And I, and I just fell in love with that live, um, the live sound of the orchestra. And I knew that was something that I wanted to pursue. So I, I studied film scoring thinking that, um, that that was the end all for me. I just wanted to do that. And then I started to perform when I was living in New York. Um, I had actually scored a film that had my voice on it. And uh, for one of the after parties of this film, I performed some of the cues and I also wrote some songs for for this party. And I just, I was like, oh no, now I love this. So I gotta do everything, I gotta do both songwriting and film scoring. So that's kind of what I've been doing the past few years. I've released um, three albums and this one now coming out will be my fourth. And um, in between the albums, I've been in scoring films as well. Mm -hmm. I'm so, curious, do you still play the cello? <laughs> you know what? I hadn't played for a few years. It's so paint. I, I taught myself how to play. So I didn't know any of the technique. I hadn't really seen anyone play the instrument um, as a professional. So I was just kind of going with what my friends were doing at school when I was 10 years old. And yeah. I just learned all the wrong way. So it was it became very painful to play, but um, I studied it in university. So I, I do have a good grasp of it. It was just so painful, but I did bring it out the other month, like a few months ago. And, and I used it on a film score and it's, it, it is a beautiful instrument. I love, I feel like it's, the, an instrument that's closest to the human voice, which is why I love it so much. It has such a large range and um, yeah, so I, I did use it all. It was fun to bring it out. And, um, but then I, yeah, I definitely need to practice. <laughs> 
That's a beautiful description, saying it's closest to the human voice. I always wanted to learn to play a string instrument, and I thought it would be too hard. I played the flute growing up. And so oh, I flute seems so hard to oh. me. <laughs> really? I can't whistle at all. That's amazing that you played flute. I'm yeah. impressed. I, I see. I always thought the same thing about string instruments. Like I would play in band and I played in our, our school's orchestra because they had some woodwinds and all come in. But I was like, yeah. I can never figure out like the bow and fingering and all that at the same time. Like just wouldn't it's, work. <laughs> there's so much going on. I play piano and with piano, you don't have to think about intonation. And that was always really hard for me on the cello and the bow. And yeah, it's true. You've got intonation in your left hand and the bow in the right and and um it's very physical and um it's it's amazing though it's amazing yeah so you've got this is going to be your fourth album right that's coming out um called sparkles and debris and it comes out may 21st yes um so maybe take a moment and tell folks that are listening like I know it's hard to put into words, but kind of describe like what the album's about for you, what sort of sound or feel you have to it. Sure. So um, it feels like all of my albums kind of evolve over many years. I start songs and um, sometimes I just don't know how to finish them for for long periods and I revisit them and um, and sometimes they emerge as part of a larger group of songs. And so um, there were some that I had started maybe six years ago that I just didn't have a home for until it's very, it's an instinctive process. And um, they, they all kind of have this theme of longing and um, they have common elements of um, production. So I did want to, even though they were all written at different points in time, I wanted to bring um, a unity to the sound world. So I, I program a lot at my computer with lots of different sounds, but I wanted to have a live band element. So I, I took them all and I recorded drums, bass and guitar um, in a studio to have that live feel mixed in with my programming elements. And um, so this is kind of a new approach for me to have all the players playing at the same time. Usually it's kind of in pieces and over many years. So this was a, a new approach for me. And um, I recorded it all in Toronto uh, with some great instrumentalists and um, mixed in Toronto with my engineer I've been working with for a while, um, Dejan Martineau, who recorded all my vocals. And yeah. That's another process that's hard for me to wrap my head around, like the live instruments and then what you do with, I don't know if electronic music is like the right, but what you're, yeah. what you're programming and kind of mixing together, that's always been really interesting to me and is kind of another way my brain doesn't work, I guess. <laughs> like I can't, I can't see the process of putting that together, but it's so cool to hear. Well, it, it's hard to, it is also for me when I start out on a project, it's kind of, it does feel daunting. Um, and I can, I, I don't know how it's going to end out when, end up when I start. And it's, it's just a, it's like a mystery that's unfolding. Um, and that's part of the joy of it too. It's the unknown and, and getting to that place where it feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got such a unique voice, like it's really, 
I don't, it, it has a unique tone to it, but it was just so clear and strong when I was listening to the songs from the album. And I think Parade is maybe my favorite right now. That might change over time. Oh, amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just really liked the energy from that. And also I wanted to bring up um, Cake because I thought, I, you know, I was kind of preparing for the interview and reading. I thought it was really interesting how that was in conversation with Loretta by Tell yeah. Me Grant and how, I think you had mentioned like you were listening to a lot of that as you were writing. Um, yeah. So could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So um, on my last tour, which is so hard to believe that I was ever on <laughs> tour traveling the world, <laughs> feels like another life it does. And um, But on this tour, I was listening I couldn't stop listening to Towns Van Zandt. I, someone had just mentioned I should check him out. I hadn't heard it. I was listening to a lot of Dolly Parton prior and I, I wasn't, I hadn't listened to much country music before. And so a friend of mine was like, oh, you got to check out Towns Van Zandt. And, and as soon as I heard his songs, I was just hooked and I couldn't stop listening. And it was just the whole tour I was listening and listening. And I fell in love with his um, songwriting there's something there's a special quality about his songs that are, they're just so honest and they are they're a bit sad they're um and a lot of it he talks a lot in interviews about um he's on the road all the time and his mm -hmm. failed marriages and all of this kind of stuff and i just felt i had so much um pathos for him i i was just feeling so sad for him but then i was also feeling so um, aligned with some of the women he was singing about. Like mm -hmm. I could kind of relate to Loretta, especially. I love this line of his where he says, she don't cry when I can't stay, at least not till she's all alone. And and it's still part of this kind of like, it. it's not a sad song, um, Loretta, but that line would just really struck me to my core. I was like, oh my gosh, I know that feeling. And um, so I wanted to write a song from Loretta's perspective um, in that same kind of sound, in the same kind of songwriting world as Towns Van Zandt, but I added my own kind of electronic elements and uh, the band element. So sonically, it's my world, but I think songwriting world is of Towns. And so that was a really, that was an interesting um, song for me to write. Yeah, I definitely encourage folks listening to check that one out. And even like I pulled up I listened to the songs back to back and like pulled up the lyrics too. So I could, I'm a very right. visual person and just seeing how they were in conversation with each other and like the response of your song. Oh, I don't know. Gosh. It was just neat. So I encourage folks to do that. If you're a little bit of a visual person like me too. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, were there other influences that you were listening to when you were writing or things, you know, just music that you enjoy that you feel like kind of crept in and, um, I can't think of anything specific, but when I was recording, I would tell my instrumentalists, oh, we're going to go with this kind of vibe. So in turn, like with Parade, I wanted the percussion and the, and the drums to have a Peter Gabriel sound. Yes. I, I said in her eyes, like the Manu Kachu, um drumming and, and my drummer, Mark Kelso was amazing and he got it automatically. Um, and so I really, I loved his drumming on that. So that was the direction there. Um, 
trying to think. Oh yeah, on Forever we have some beatle kind of guitars. And I think I also said like want a Ringo Starr kind of drumming. But in terms of the songwriting, I think it, I didn't, I didn't set out to sound like anything in particular. It was more just like those kind of directions in the studio of, of things that I wanted to, to evoke. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, you saw my reaction, folks listening won't see my reaction, but you saw my reaction to what you said about Peter Gabriel with um, yeah. the parade. I said, yes, because I'm not, I, I critique books. I don't critique music, but I listen to a lot of different music and just enjoy it. And that's absolutely who I thought of when I heard Oh, really? Awesome. So it, it came across exactly the way you wanted it to. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, he's a, a real hero of mine. I love Peter Gabriel. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. I also, because I'm a super nerd, wanted to bring up the, the work that you did composing alongside Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein for the sure. song that was on Stranger Things. Um, so for folks that are listening that might not know, because I didn't recognize their names right off, um, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein uh, composed the score of Stranger Things and like the theme song, I believe. Um, and then you yes. worked with them on a song called Earth Song that yes. was in the season three finale, I believe. Yes. As we're all waiting. I have to think of what season it is because we're all like waiting for the next season of these shows that haven't been able to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be exactly. recorded. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit of about what that was like and just if you enjoy working collaboratively with other people like that or if you prefer yeah. working more independently and how that's kind of different. Well, um, I love working with other people. And uh, so I actually I met Kyle and Michael through a friend of mine who was in a band I was touring with. And he, I think he played some of my music for them. And this was before Stranger Things had come out. And Kyle wrote to me saying, oh, I think we may, we may need some help on um, some music with this show that it, Stranger Things wasn't out. And he showed me this trailer for it. And I was like, whoa, this oh, is wow. amazing. I, I would love to work on anything to do with this. And so, um, we actually ended up writing a few songs together, Kyle and I, for my last album. Okay. Um, yeah, so we wrote um, Give It Back to You and Edge of the Throne. So I took a, a synth line of his for Edge of the Throne and I kind of built, uh, it, that acted as this kind of spine of the song. It's this great synth loop and so I then kind of built around that. And then um, for Give It Back To You, he had this instrumental, which is a beautiful synth instrumental. And I wrote um, the vocals over top. Um, and I love I love their music. And then a few years, or maybe it was around that time, uh, they had this song, Earth Song, that they needed to write. And I just, for that, I just came in and I added a lot of layers of vocals. Um, and I was thinking of Ligeti, um, who writes with a lot of microtones and kind of covers a huge range of um, tone clusters. I'm not sure of the actual term for it, but just wanted to create a really discordant sound with the vocals. And so that's what we did for that. Um, and they had, I think, time stretched some, some instruments and just became really spacey and eerie. Yeah, that's neat. That makes sense because it was, it's really like 
don't know, most hauntingly beautiful and kind of ethereal. And there was this, yeah. I don't know, movement. Like I kept, it's like you could see things kind of going back and forth almost through the, through the yeah. song because of the sound. Um, again, yeah. I'm not a, like a music critic. I don't know if I'm saying the things that I feel when I hear songs. No, oh, that's perfect. Said, no, that's a perfect description. And um, yeah, so in general, I, I, I love working with people, with, uh, with people who have these kind of skills that I, I'm not a master at synths. I love working with synths and soft synths in my computer, but they're like real masters at it. It's amazing what they do. So I love coming together with, with people who, ha who have those kind of strengths and, and we can complement each other. Very cool. Yeah. You've got quite a range of things you're involved in and it sounds like it all really you have a lot of different interests and passions that these different projects kind of plug into yeah that all kind of relate yeah yeah true. um do you mind if i jump over to ask you some book questions for a little bit sure okay yeah so probably the thing that I'm like ask most people that I'm always curious about is if you've been kind of a lifelong reader or how you found an enjoyment in reading. There's always interesting stories to me at what point people pick up books. Yeah, I think the, f hmm, the first book that I read that really kind of opened my mind to the power of books was given to me by my grandmother. Um, who I was visiting, she lives in London, England, and she gave me the color purple. Mm. And that, I think I was around 10 or 11. Oh, wow. Maybe, yes. Oh no, I was 12, I was 12, yeah. And, um, and that just was so moving. And um, we talked a lot about it, we talked about racism. We, she's a Holocaust survivor, so she was always about like, teaching lessons and um, and morals and ethics and all of that kind of stuff. So that was a really, I think that was the first book that I read that I was like, wow, books are powerful and, um, and important. And um, yeah, so that was kind of the introduction to choose to be to becoming a reader I guess um, I'm not a huge reader but um, I do find a lot of inspiration from books and poetry hmm. I love short stories um, I find that short stories are really helpful for my songwriting I like to sometimes um, write short stories around whatever I'm writing about like in the case of Loretta I like to create this backstory even though the lyrics may come out very simple, at least I, I have that backstory in my mind and I can um, project that into the music and the lyrics. But um, yeah, so my favorite short story writer is Isaac Besheva Singer. I don't know if you've heard of him. I haven't read anything by him. So tell me more. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, uh, so I ha actually have this book here. This is a book called um, The Seance, okay. short stories collection. Basically, um, they're very, they draw you in to a world within just a few pages. And that's what, I don't, I don't know how he does it. It's just like, you just, you can feel and smell everything all at once with just immediately almost. And um they, they range from all sorts of different stories, and, but they all have these kind of universal allegory 
um, type approaches. And um, I guess my favorite is about this letter writer, this old man in New York who, I think it takes place probably in the 1920s. And um, he's, he's been writing to a, all sorts of pen pals through the newspaper. He has a little um, mouse that he gives food to every night and that's his only friend really. Like he doesn't have anyone else in the world. I think he's, yeah, he's just been retired. And um, he, but he has these, these correspondences. So this is like prior to email and anything like that. So um, he does fall ill and this woman, one of his pen pals saves him. And, and it's just like a very moving, simple story, but it just like, it's one of those stories that really has stayed with me over the years. The way I can't describe it. I'm not describing it properly, no, but yeah, there's beautiful. Uh, it's just, it just, it's a very beautiful portrait of a man at the end of his life. So yeah, all, they're all different and they're all just very magical. Yeah. Are you the type of person, like you like short stories, short stories are kind of hit or miss for me. Mm. Um, and I think I get frustrated sometimes because I want to like all of them and I usually don't in a collection, which is pretty normal. Um, yeah. But like, do you pick up a collection and kind of work your way through it? Or do you pick and choose out like stories like the one you were just describing that maybe stood out to you with the title or? Yeah, I think I, I pick and choose. Yeah, the title I do. I do choose sometimes based on the title. Yeah, I'm not a front to back type short storybook reader. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pick out certain type, certain ones that seem interesting. Um, but definitely all of these are very good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll have to add that to my list. Of, definitely, yeah. Um, list of books. Um, I thought it was interesting the way that you were talking about writing sort of this backstory um, for your songs. And so have you ever thought about putting that out into the world? Do you write like just for you or is it something that you've thought about putting out there for other folks to read at some point? Um, not up until now, no, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm introducing that idea. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, maybe moving forward, I might. But uh, I definitely don't consider myself a, a, like a writer. I'm a, I'm a songwriter, a lyricist. I like poetry, but I I wouldn't put this out into the world. It's really just for me and to really feel secure in what I'm trying to convey. Mm -hmm. And I, they don't really make like they wouldn't be readable to and no one would be interested in reading <laughs> these short stories. So. You never know. I mean, songwriters are poets. It's yes, it's a, yeah. a similar thing set to music and the way that you were talking about kind of fleshing out the backstory. I've heard a lot of writers talk about, you know, having to create this whole world. You only see this much in the book or the story, but, you know, they have to put the work in to exactly. create the whole thing so that they know what what this character would do when confronted with this issue or whatever yeah it's exactly. a process so never say never you never know <laughs> you, yeah you never know yeah yeah um what what kind of poetry are you into because that's another thing that i don't read as much poetry as i should so i could use some good recommendation sure. um i love t.s Eliot. um i love emily dickinson Oh, I have the, actually, this is a great book. Um, it's 
if you want, if you don't read a lot of poetry and you want to get into, this is a great collection. It's called Good Poems for Hard Times, oh. um, put together by Garrison Keeler. And um, it's, these are all, I think, American poets that I hadn't heard of any of them, or some of, some of them are famous, but then a lot, I hadn't heard of any of them. And they're, um, they're all amazing. Uh, I like Mary Oliver a lot. I, yeah, I collect, oh, Jim Carroll. This one is a great one. Living at the Movies. Okay. He's from New York. And um, this was published in 1973. He wrote Basketball Diaries. Okay, uh, that's why I recognize his name. Yeah. And in these, he, wow, he wrote them all before the age of 22. Hmm. Yeah, he was incredibly talented. Yeah, so I, those are some of my favorites. Yeah, but I think I think the first poem that really got me into poetry was T.S. Eliot, um, "Proof: The Love Song of J. Alfred Proofrock." And yeah, with this poem, he paints. It's like another. It kind of reminds me of um, how. Uh, Besheva Singer in just a few pages can paint this whole world that just chills you to your bone kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I love I love that poem, yeah. So you like some classics. I have read that. I majored in English, so I read a lot of yeah. Okay. classic yeah. poems that we kind of had to read um, mm. and got stuck on a big like confessional poetry type thing in one of those, like read a lot of Sylvia Plath Sexton, mm. <laughs> and that sort of thing but never have moved on to more contemporary poetry. And there's just so much out there that it's, there it's is. hard to keep up with. I, I follow a few poetry um, Instagram accounts. Yeah. Those are great too, yeah. Yes, there is so much on there's social so media much. now. Uh-huh, absolutely. Yeah. I also, when I was thinking about this and it's, it's kind of a, a question I really want to ask more people but I was thinking about it with you in terms of you being a musician like when you're sitting down to read or to create even in the sense if you're like working on lyrics or kind of writing that backstory and all um I I'm always interested in what sort of environment people create to do things in so oh, yeah. are you a I need silence person do you like music playing in the background do you you know do you have a certain sort of formula for that um well I love silence I do I love silence so much I, I'm so jealous of people that can listen to music while working yeah. <laughs> but when I'm I especially like obviously if I'm writing music I can't listen to other music but um even even just on my off time, I don't really want to listen. If I'm in writing mode of music, I don't really want to listen to anything else at that time. But my workplace or when I'm writing lyrics, I'm a mess and I have things everywhere and inspirations like newspapers and clippings and um, poetry books and books and all sorts of things just piled up everywhere. It can be get, become really messy, but I'm a very clean person normally, but when I'm in that creative zone, I, I don't really care about order. Um, also just paintings as well. I'm, I'm inspired by painters and films. And so just kind of collect all of these inspirations. My desktop becomes a mess, like on my computer and 
So um, yeah, so it's quiet, but then visually stimulated. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. I've always envied people that can work with music too. I feel like the older I've gotten, the more quiet I need to focus on things because I'm more easily distracted. Um, yeah, around or list stop and listen, and um, it's always interesting with when I talk to people as they're reading too. Like some people always read with music. And that distracts me. Yeah. Um, except I will say, I'll, I'll say one exception to that. Last, I've lost all concept of the past year. I want to say last summer. It was sometime last year. <laughs> I was finally getting around to reading um, Daisy Jones and the Six. And um, I sat down and put on um, Fleetwood Mac while I was listening to that because of, I don't know if you know what the story is about, but it's okay. like, it's, it's, it's kind of told, it's a novel, but it's told kind of like an interview with um, a 70s band and what happened with them. And there's like a lot of, um, there's just a lot of reflection of you think about Stevie Nicks in the right. book because it's this like strong female 70s, like rock goddess. Um, yeah. For some reason that worked, but it was a lighter. Yeah, but it's like a soundtrack to what you were reading, related, yeah. Exactly, nice. yeah. And they're making a film out of that. And they actually like wrote songs. The lyrics to the songs were in the back of the book. So I'm interested to see like how that translates. Very cool. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great actually, yeah. It's a good lighter, I read a lot of sad and depressing stuff. It's a good lighter read. Not that sad things don't happen, but yeah, kind of a quicker read. <laughs> okay. okay, cool. I will check that out. Um, last book question for you. What was the, what was the last book you read? Um, yeah, I am. Well, I, I just, I'm kind of halfway through, uh, this book called the hearing trumpet, okay. which is written by one of my favorite painters actually. So sh this woman, Leonora Carrington, she is a British, she was a British painter who lived most of her life in Mexico and um, she painted these fantastic surrealist type paintings that they really are, um, they're very unique. They, they are of the surrealist school, kind of like Dolly or Magritte, but she has her definite style. And um, I just get lost. I was so enamored by her paintings. And then I, I was researching more about her and she actually wrote a few books. And this, this, uh, this book is about um, an 80 year old woman who it's, it's kind of like an, it's like a dark tale about this 80 year old, it's an Alice in Wonderland with the hero as a, this octogenarian, very funny, weird woman who is given this hearing trumpet. It's like a magical hearing aid and she can hear her family plotting to put her into this old to put her into an old age home which uh -huh. is the old age home becomes this like magical Alice in Wonderland type place it's a it's really unique it's oh. a really cool book and um yeah it's it's cool to read this book by my favorite one of my favorite painters so I'm enjoying that very cool another example I love that when people take different lanes yeah you know, creative sort yeah they, they can you can jump from being a painter to a writer yeah. She wrote some children's books as well, and which I've, I've read also. They're really with some of her illustrations. Yeah. So I, I do recommend checking Leonora Carrington. Okay. Awesome. Mm. You've given 
definitely some great recommendations. So like I write up um, in the in the notes when this runs, like all the books folks mention. So listeners oh, cool. can go and like reference and find them and all. So, and I usually end up adding quite a few to my list. <laughs> um, so for one last question, I'm gonna loop back around to your music and your album since it's about to come out. And you kind of touched on this earlier, but um, I'm wondering where the music will go from here. Like hopefully we're getting vaccinated in the United States and hopefully we're moving towards having live music again. Um, are you hoping to be able to get out there and do some live shows or get on the road or do oh, you know what that look, will look like at this point? I would love to do all of that. I'm in Canada, so we're actually way behind you guys with our vaccine rollout and I oh, haven't wow. been vaccinated yet. It's yeah, it's it's taking time, but um, hopeful that I can get that sorted soon. And I would, I mean, it's crazy though. I have had a few offers from a few venues in the States trying to book a show. And it, that has been so lovely to receive. And it's like something I hadn't thought about in so long. So I, I hope that that is on the horizon soon. I don't know, but that would be amazing. I miss, I miss playing and I miss um, just like having that human interaction. I will be doing um, some streamed shows, definitely, but um, you know, it's not the same as, as the in-person where you can see someone and, mm -hmm. and uh, speak to them after. And it's just a, a totally different thing. So um, can't wait until that happens again. Yeah. I was interviewing a comedian not too long ago and she was talking about doing stand-up on Zoom basically with people and wow. like she'd tell a joke and then there's nothing back and I'm like oh I know. They, were laughing. they were all on mute she's like no they weren't on mute there was just no response <laughs> so, <laughs> I can I can see the same thing with the music I mean it's going to see yeah. live music it's a give and take um so it's great that you can do live streams so that you know we on the other end get something but I know for you it's not the same experience yeah, well, not as terrible as a comedian. <laughs> That's just the worst. You can't hear laughs. I can't imagine. But um, yeah, it, there's just an energy in a room when there's people. So yeah, it will be so nice just being able to be with people. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, I hope I didn't realize the vaccine. I thought it was at least starting to roll out in Canada. So um... it has a little bit, but um not from my age group yet so gotcha yeah well maybe these people that are offering for you to come play in the states you can be like yes I'll come play if you can get me hooked up with a vaccine exactly that's a really good point let's yeah. make a trade here that is a very good trade yeah do that. <laughs> oh goodness well Olivia thank you so much this has been um a lot of fun um, I should ask you to tell folks where they can find you like on social media so they can keep up with as you're posting about these live streams and all. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, my website is LydiaAinsworth.com and uh, I'm on Instagram Lydia.Ainsworth. Um, so I'll be posting there for all the updates and yeah, that would be great to keep in touch with people there. Okay, perfect. So just a reminder for folks listening, um, Lydia's album Sparkles and Debris comes out May 21st. Definitely be sure to check it out. Everything I've heard is great. You're going to love it. Um, be sure to follow her online so you can keep up with these live streams and then hopefully some 
live dates, tour dates coming up in the not so distant future. Um, and again, thank you for taking the time to chat and letting me ask you a whole range of questions about your life. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this edition of Conversations with Unexpected Book Nerds. You can find Lydia on Instagram at Lydia.Ainsworth and on her website at LydiaAinsworth.com. I am Beth Mowbray, and you can find me on Instagram at B is for Books. That's B period is for books. Also, be sure to check out more great content right here at the Nerd Daily.